Chapter Twenty Six of One Commonplace Day by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Light out of darkness. She returned in a few moments with more than the book. In her hand, she held an old-fashioned daguerreotype case. Do you know who that is? She asked as she laid it open on the table before him. A bright boyish face looked out at him and the gay, half-mocking smile on the mouth seemed meant for him. He gave a start of surprise, almost of dismay, as he gazed. It was impossible not to recognize in the features a strongly marked likeness to himself, so strongly marked indeed, that for a moment it seemed almost as though it must have been taken for his own picture, save that the costume of the sitter was quaint and unfamiliar. "'Who is it?' he asked quickly. "'Where did it come from?' my dear miss wainwright are you a wizard capable of spiriting a fellow back into the years which were lived before he came on the stage this looks as though i might have been here in person forty years ago though i don't remember it you notice the resemblance then it is very striking can't you imagine whose it is did you never see a picture of your father when he was a young man of my father the light tone changed to one of astonishment and asked as plainly as words could have done what can you possibly be doing with my father's picture it is a very good likeness of him as he was not quite forty years ago now you want to ask questions where did i get it what right have i to keep it there is a story connected with that picture young man which i did not suppose i should ever tell but i am going to i came honestly by the picture he gave it to me himself when he was younger i think than you are now we were friends from childhood james and i we studied together and swung together and whispered together and as we grew older the friendship grew stronger if you had known your father when i knew him you would not need to have me tell you how winning and bright and noble he was one of the most unselfish characters i have ever known he was more to me than any friend i ever had yet there was something in the way of our friendship something that grew between us it seemed at first like such a very little thing i had no idea it would separate us there was in the town where i lived what might have been called a temperance revival crowded meetings every evening and throngs going up to sign the total abstinence pledge my father was one of the most earnest workers so was i i was brought up to it one evening i discovered that james had not yet put his name to the pledge book i asked him to place it in my book the young people were each trying to see how many signers they could get to my astonishment james refused to sign we talked long together he was not in the habit of drinking anything stronger than cider in those days everybody drank that he said he had no wish to drink anything stronger and yet he would not sign the pledge we talked about it a great deal evening after evening it was the subject of conversation between us i exhausted all the arguments i could think of and james only seemed to grow more determined there is a great deal about it that you do not care to hear but at last it separated us i told him that a man who would not yield such a point as that for me could not really care for me as he thought he did he went away from that town soon after he parted from me in anger and i never saw him again there were letters and books and various keepsakes which went back to him 
only this one little picture was overlooked i am more than fifty years old but i never had another friend who was to me anything like what james mclean was once perhaps you can forgive an old woman like me for taking a very deep interest in his boy there was a wistful smile on her face and almost a pleading look in the eyes that bent an earnest gaze on the young man he looked up at last and smiled and tried to speak indifferently i thank you i am sure for your interest and i thank you for your confidence but i want to ask you if now after the lapse of years you don't think you were hard on my father should a good true man be thrown aside merely for the whim of another because he differs from her and has certainly as good a right to an opinion as she that seems to me to say the least a one-sided trust the kind grey eyes watching him grew grave enough during the impetuous sentence miss wainwright laid her hand on the young man's shoulder and spoke with a quietness which contrasted sharply with his excitement my boy you mistake it was principle on the one side and confessed indifference on the other i believed that it was wrong for a young man to stand in the way of others even if safe himself and he believed in proving his power over his own will by leaving it untrammeled by pledge of any sort yet he did not reason in that way about other things he was willing and anxious to take upon him marriage vows he did not say that i did not trust him because i expected him to pledge himself to me before the world but there is one hard question which i must ask you did your father's life prove that i was mistaken or unreasonable in my demand the brown head of the young man dropped lower and he had no answer to give he had passed through humiliating scenes in his own home of which she knew nothing it would not do to say that his father had needed no safeguards had been equal to the temptations and snares spread for him lloyd mclean rose at last and held out his hand with a smile to the woman who was watching him i thank you he said again perhaps you are right at least and now the smile faded at least if a pledge would have done my father any good i wish that he had signed one his was a sad story there are other young men remember and your influence is helping or hindering them have you made up your mind which it is to be besides i hold it folly in these days for any man not to use all the safeguards that he can james mclean was the last person who would have been selected as one in special danger will you help us all you can he smiled again in your way you mean i suppose yes in my way and your way and every way that will not be absolutely wrong you do not think it really would be doing wrong to sign a total abstinence pledge not wrong perhaps but foolish well are you not willing to be foolish if you can help to save even such a wreck of a man as poor john hartzell won't you give an old woman your promise i will think of it he answered and then after a moment's pause may i have this picture miss wainwright she hesitated poor lonely lady she had not shown this boy very much of her heart she had not told him what she could have told about that early friendship about those early hopes how could she help hesitating yet here stood this son was not the father's picture his by right yes she said and said it cheerfully it is a good noble face i hope it will do you good to look at it 
and i hope you will trust your father's friend i never left his name out of my prayers until god took him will you tell me one thing which i have wanted to know will you tell me how he died he died on his knees miss wainwright his last words were a prayer thank the lord said the listener her voice trembling and her eyes dim with tears the sun went away then he brushed the back of his hand across his eyes he held the little old daguerreotype case tenderly he had loved his father the story given him to-night furnished a key to words which his father had once spoken a fit of obstinacy ruined me my boy he had wondered over it at the time and often since his father had not seemed to him obstinate but on the contrary weakly yielding this must have been the one time to which he looked back and counted his ruin was he weak he wondered like his father was what he called strong will merely fits of obstinacy miss wainwright went with quiet step about her house closing it for the night an unusual pallor on her face an empty drawer in the farthest corner of her secretary she felt as though the one little link which had bound her to a tender past was broken now the little old picture was gone surrendered to one who had a better right he had not known what it had cost her to give it how should a heart at twenty know what a heart at fifty can feel nevertheless this woman knelt presently with quiet face and voice to thank god for that one who years before had spent his last breath in a prayer her heart had long since been stayed on god the days lengthened into weeks and passed leaving kate hartzell still at her vigils the message which holly had sent her from his father as to the possibility of the sick man understanding something of what was going on about him had sunken into her heart she had grasped hold of it until in her long night watches it became not only a hope but a settled conviction on which she leaned part of every night she spent alone by her father's bed part of that time she spent in reading aloud in a slow distinct tone verses from the bible verses carefully selected with a view to bringing light to a dark soul all have sinned and come short of the glory of god the blood of jesus christ his son cleanseth us from all sin he is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto god by him jesus christ the same yesterday to-day and forever come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest see that ye refuse not him that speaketh though your sins be as scarlet they shall be as white as snow these were some of the verses often repeated which filled the darkened quiet room night after night part of the time kate knelt in prayer slow-spoken simple distinct petitions such as a weak and weary brain might possibly follow lord save my father forgive him now wash his heart in the blood of jesus help him to pray over and over and over again did these cries ascend to god the petitioner always buoyed up by a twofold hope perhaps he hears me perhaps his heart will take up the cry but if not certainly god hears so praying so working so waiting i cannot say that she was surprised one night when she was still on her knees to hear beside her low words from the man who had been so long silent i hear kate go on 
and kate trembling scarce able to control her voice went on oh father in heaven take my father just as he is into thy love forgive him save him because jesus died for just such as he kate said the voice again that prayer about a sinner and kate prayed god be merciful to him a sinner on the night when she first began to pray aloud she had cried that sentence over and over and over again into the ears of god her faith had not at that time taken strong hold of the hope that her father would hear only that god would now it seemed that he had not only heard but spoken to the dulled ears on the bed and bade them listen that is it old joe hartzell said god be merciful to me a sinner he spoke the word slowly with long pauses between each one then after a moment of silence repeated them oh father kate said but he only answered go on kate and kate prayed he dropped into sleep or stupor or whatever it was after a few minutes and mrs john hartzell when she came to relieve the watcher saw no change from what had been for days but kate as she went to lie down on the cot which had been brought for her comfort said to herself if he never speaks again i shall have a little faint hope and then she lay down indeed but instead of sleeping she prayed as she had never been able to before she felt as though god had spoken to her with an earnest of what his grace and power might do it proved that that night was the turning point in the disease which had taken hold of joel hartzell's wrecked frame he spoke several times thereafter in fact the very next morning when mrs hartzell came to waken kate her eyes showed plainly that she had been crying but she said don't you think kate that father spoke to me in the night and he knew me too now mrs hartzell was not in the habit of saying father the nearest she had approached to it had been to say john's father she had always felt a resentful feeling toward the father as though he were the one most to blame in dragging her husband down therefore the tone in which she said the word this morning told to kate that in some way what had passed during the night had touched her heart after that there were not many nights the disease had spent itself but the body was worn out and would not rally dr copeland shook his head next morning when he saw the change and the wide-open eyes the poor old fellow is going he said to mr cleveland who had called to see if there were any change they stood outside and talked it over the plans for the coffin and the funeral it will be rapid work now the doctor said poor old fellow murder it ought to be called but it will sound more respectable to say fever and he sighed not many nights left but kate will never forget them the father lay quiet and she read and prayed only the tone of her prayer changed because once after she had repeated the words he is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto god by him poor old joel had said kate that is true i wouldn't have thought that anybody could save old joe hartzell he was too much for any man but god has done it after that kate dropped on her knees and her prayer began father in heaven i thank thee for thy power and thy grace and thy love and old joe said distinctly 
Amen. It was just as the grey light of a new morning was coming up over the town that he stirred a little in his sleep and threw up one hand slightly and opened his eyes and looked at Kate and said, in clear tones, Able to save. And then the wide open eyes were set on something that Kate did not see, and the old, worn, sin marked face grew strangely still, and Kate bending over him, bending close, saw that no breath flickered the flame of the candle which she held in her hand. Kate, said John Hartzell, just at the door, it is morning, I will come in and sit with father for a while and let you rest. And Kate turned toward him and smiled. John, she said, it is morning with father. End of chapter 26